Welcome to episode number 84, The Detail of Prayer. I'm your host, Damon Soka. First of all, today, I really appreciate those who listen. If you have enjoyed these podcasts, can I ask of you to post this podcast wherever you can so it might be reached by more people? Many of you are involved in great and wonderful online social networks of various types, and the best way to reach those who might need it is to really get the podcast into as many networks as possible. Who knows? You may be the person who saves a life. Now on to our topic for today. Today we are going to talk about the details, those little things in our lives, those small bothersome problems that tend to creep up on us, cause trouble, but otherwise don't really affect the way we live. Things like a minor misunderstanding at work, a moment of struggle with a child, are reoccurring symptoms that tend to fall outside of our management, a stubbed toe, a broken finger. These are things we can work around, things that aren't in the plan, aren't pleasant, but don't seriously affect our plans. But they do make us slightly walk out of our path to get around them. They can cost us time, effort, frustration, and pain. These are the detail moments of our lives, mundane, ordinary, regular moments when a normal detail strays from the pack. Now, while these moments don't cause significant problems, they tend to aggregate around particular moments in time and then fall into place in unison, causing more than a simple problem. We then, to start, we then tend to start talking about bad days and bad weeks when this happens. It's not that the week has been necessarily any worse than any other week. It's just that these detailed interruptions have accumulated, and we're seeing them all at one time. For me, when it comes to these small details, for some reason, and maybe this is of my own making in my mind, in my mind, these detailed problems, for the most part, don't rise to the level of a prayer for relief. Now, I found that somewhere between a terrible catastrophe and a bruised elbow, I seem to have a threshold as to what qualifies to be included in my prayers and what does not. Now, I suppose this is in some ways true for everyone. We set thresholds for what we deem is appropriate to bring before the Lord and what is not. The question that has concerned me over the last couple of months is, if the Lord is in the details of our lives, then why should any detail be off limits in my prayers? Is my bar set too high for the purposes of inclusion in my daily prayers? For many of the details and issues that arise, and that's especially true concerning my illness. Now, as you ponder this in your life, and of course what it means to you and your illness, I'm going to tell you a story. This is one actually that even my wife or my parents don't know. It's about a sequence of prayers early in my life. I loved to fish as a young teenager. We lived in the Pacific Northwest, specifically on an island called Whidbey. So nearly all of my fishing adventures were lived in the ocean surrounding that island. As a teenager, I did like to fish for salmon. We would go out and drift fish a specific location near Port Townsend that had an ocean shelf where the salmon traveled into the Puget Sound. Now, as much as I liked to fish, I really liked to catch fish. Salmon fishing, even when I was a teenager, was often difficult in the sense that it took sometimes a couple of outings to actually catch one fish with four or five of us in the boat, meaning that we often did a significant amount of fishing and very little catching. For whatever reason, and I truly do not remember the reason now, I had thought to pray about catching a fish. I wanted to catch a fish, so I asked the Lord. Now, obviously, looking back, there was some spiritual immaturity aligned with my request. But even with the immaturity, the Lord responded, and within minutes I had a salmon 
to fight and reel into the boat. Now, along with spiritual immaturity and relying upon others for a testimony comes a greater, perhaps even more simple faith in the possibilities of what the Lord will do if we ask. I had a simple faith. But because I was at the moment of questions in building my own testimony and moving away from my parents, my spiritual immaturity often led to believing in coincidence. And of course, I had these thoughts, even though it had only been minutes between me asking and catching the fish, that it might be a coincidence. Now, of course, my story doesn't end there. Over the next seven trips, or eight trips to the same location, the same experience occurred. I would pray and ask, and within minutes, a fish would, would arrive to be caught. After about four of these outings, or five of these outings, my mind began to thinking about whether I should be asking. Now, of course, I pondered it over the next three or four fishing opportunities and prayers, and then decided that it was probably something I shouldn't ask for. We really were not in need of the fish for food. The core request was probably more immature and selfishly oriented than it should have been. But that was one of the more defining moments during an otherwise tumultuous teenage life with moderate to severe bipolar disorder. It was also the first time I really began to question, ask questions about what I should be praying for and what I should not. It helped to establish a relationship with the Lord that allowed me to ask for greater concerns, ask for greater concerns later in life with the confidence that the Lord stands ready to help. But my question today is not about whether the Lord is ready to help, but what should be that threshold for prayer and the details in our lives? What should enter our prayers as far as discussion and requests and what should not? Now, there are some things to consider before I move too far down the path of what details make sense and what details do not. And that is a question of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity, of course, is affected by many environmental influences, including culture, your level of education, what types of spiritual training has occurred, meaning regular church attendance, seminary, missionary service, church college. Also, poverty can have some effects on spiritual maturity, meaning not having our, meds, our needs met type of poverty. Parental training also is involved, church education and culture, and also really our entire experience in life and how our life has been related to spiritual matters in the Lord. Now, it is interesting to note that faith does not always follow an identical path as spiritual maturity. I had greater faith when I was spiritually immature often than I did later in life. Children do have great faith but lack spiritual maturity. This is the effect of living upon someone else's testimony, where we can draw faith from more mature spiritual beings, while maintaining a relatively low spiritual maturity ourselves. There is a point, however, at which we obtain our own testimony, and that involves questions, experiences, enlightenment, repentance, and really a host of other factors. Letting go of someone else's faith and obtaining our own often causes questions of faith as our maturity grows. Now, spiritual maturity will affect those personal benchmarks or personal thresholds as to what is appropriate in prayer and what is not. I will note here that spiritual maturity does not always affect prayer in the most positive manner. Sometimes, as we truly begin to understand the God of the universe, it can be difficult to approach, to approach such an awe-inspiring being with small or detailed matters. 
So as we mature and better understand our Father and the role He plays, sometimes we think that our daily needs or our details are too mundane for such a powerful being. It's not that we don't want to ask or don't want to talk about it. It's just that it doesn't seem to be something that would be right for such a being. Don't get me wrong, spiritual maturity does also allow us to better sort what we truly need to discuss in our prayers and to sort out some of the selfish things that we would ask for. But it does sometimes overreach and gets into the way of things we should be discussing but aren't in our prayers. So what prompted my pondering about these details in my life? Like many of you listening, I deal daily with pain, depression, anxiety symptoms, They are a consistent force that consumes life itself sometimes, and management. Now, the symptoms affect my life in many ways, some greater than others. Some are actually more mundane, and I have struggled with what I should be asking for in my prayers of relief to the Lord. I have generally avoided approaching Father in Heaven with my concerns until I personally have done what I can do. I felt that He expects at least my good effort. I've also come to avoid asking for relief until things are bad enough that I really don't have any other option. In some senses, leaving the heavenly help until other, all other options have been exhausted. I am not entirely sure how I got to the point that I am with how and when I ask for relief. Now, during my bipolar days, I set this threshold early, and so I have to assume that it was something taught at home or in the church, although I'm not entirely sure how I learned it. For the most part, when I have asked, I have been given relief to my symptoms. It is rare for the Lord to entirely leave me without any relief when I ask. I'm not sure how many of you deal with this same concern. Should I ask every morning that my pain be removed, or at least manageable? Should I ask for my depression symptoms to be taken away, or my anxiety for each particular moment? It becomes difficult or even bothersome. Should I ask before the symptoms actually come? What and when... And how should I be asking? Scripturally, there are several points of doctrine regarding what we should ask for. The Lord's Prayer in the New Testament is a good example when talking about daily needs. When discussing broader concerns that might not qualify maybe as daily needs, the Lord has frequently said, Ask, and you shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Alma 34, Almulek discusses just a variety of daily concerns that should be on our minds and in our prayers. Now, the Lord has qualified what we should pray about in a few places, noting that we should ask for things that are expedient for us and for things that are right and good. Overall, if one views the various scriptures, there's no really specific qualifications for what to ask of the Lord. There are, however, some things that probably make rational sense if you ponder the idea of asking for that which is right. We shouldn't ask evil to fall upon another. We should avoid pure selfishness in our requests. Our requests should provide value to us and or another, either spiritually or temporally. And we should ponder our requests to understand our motives and the value. In other words, we should stop and think if our requests fits the definition of right and good. But our question today is more specific about chronic illness and why our topic, and while our topic might apply to other concerns in our lives, we are going to try to stick more to the mental illness. Now, the Lord's Prayer is very clear about asking for things on a daily basis that we need. He specifically calls out for praying for daily bread and nourishment. Food is needed, but it is a fairly mundane item to pray for, 
unless you are without the necessary sustenance for life. But the Lord did not specify this requirement or qualify it in the prayer, saying, of course, give us this day our daily bread because we have none. Out of all the things that could have gone into the Lord's prayer in that moment of teaching, the Lord taught that daily needs are important to him and that the Lord is concerned for the details, including food and needs in our lives. Now, certainly chronic illness applies when we're discussing daily needs, but how do we approach our chronic daily needs? How do we approach talking about the same daily needs without becoming repetitious and monotonous? I think that the danger with repetition is not the repetition itself, but our intent. Often, we can say words in our prayer repetitiously that have little to no intent with them or faith. They are phrases that we simply use when we pray. We don't feel the words, and without feeling them, they become empty phrases or words without faith. And lack of intent and faith is problematic in prayer. I don't believe that the Lord is concerned about repetition as much as he is concerned about real intent and faith. If we feel and mean what we say and ask in faith, then we should have no issues discussing our daily symptoms with the Lord, even if they are identical. My approach, my personal approach, is to tell the Lord how I feel, then what I feel he could do to help, and then to listen. I try always to approach prayer not from a doubtful perspective in that I doubt the Lord will hear and answer my prayer. I approach it from the perspective that he sees far more information about the past and future than I do. And if I ask, he will grant me what I need based on his knowledge. And that may not be exactly what I asked for. I often think about my illness in my prayers and allow my thoughts to flow in some senses. I used to be fairly concerned about this and losing my entire train of thought in my mind, and I suppose you do have to be cautious, but allowing your mind to flow can bring thoughts that will inspire you to what you should ask for from the Lord. What details do I discuss with the Lord? What details do I leave out? I still struggle a little bit with getting, I think, sufficient detail into my prayers at times. And when I'm tired, I do tend to drift entirely off the subject. Now, of course, note, if this is a problem, speaking the words out loud in a whisper type of voice can be helpful to keep you on track. Now, when I approach the Lord with my chronic illness, it is with the intent that I learn what I can do and ask for his help in the things that I cannot do or control. So I tend to ponder upon the subject, allowing the Lord to interject thoughts and ideas and even questions I should ask. I listen for what comes of the moment, and then place the question in my mind where I ponder it often. It has become a pattern in my life that only a small portion of what the Lord wants to tell me comes from moments during prayer. The majority of what I learn comes later from the world around me as I ponder and listen. My answers come out of the blue, meaning I might have been thinking about the subject or not, but because I had asked the Lord previously, the Lord answers me. And then he tells me at the same time that what I have learned is part of the answer to my question. The one thing about prayer that has been elusive for quite a while in my life was the having a prayer in your heart. Now, for me, this isn't about a consistent string of words or thoughts in a prayer type of format, and I certainly do not think that is what the Lord meant. Prayer is revelation, and the Lord needs us to be open to revelation on any subject at any time. He has various resources he can employ, and if we are open to those resources, he can reveal truth to us and give us that healing and, of course, the information that we need. 
If we are only open to it during prayer, I think that our communication with the Lord will be very limited. We need to have a set of questions consistently in our minds and hearts to ponder and then be listening, and this includes our illness. The Lord can provide all types of help if we ask and then wait for the answers to come. So should we ask daily for our pains and depressions and anxieties to be reduced? I say yes. I also say be specific. If your anxiety is more than about is more about one thing than another, then discuss this with the Lord rather than just say, help me with my anxiety today. If you do need help overall with your anxiety, then I'm sure it's fine to ask more generally. When we ask these questions, we should leave room for the Lord to work, meaning that he may ask us to do something in return or ask us questions in return. We should be attentive throughout the day and ponder our questions regularly. Now, can I ask for my pains and depressions and anxieties to be avoided every day? I say yes, as long as you leave room for the Lord to say no or to help with a portion of the symptoms. Allow the Lord to train you along with helping you to reduce your pain, depression, anxiety, and of course, mania. Work with the Lord in your illness. Expect that the Lord will have you do your part. Expect that there are going to be bad days and you're going to have to get up and try again. However, most of all, expect miracles and have faith that the Lord can give you rest in what you need. Sure, there are going to be large miracles, but more often the Lord causes miracles to occur in the details. Be grateful for what you receive and recognize it as an answer from the Lord and you will generally obtain more help from Him and build faith and trust and good working relationships with the Father and the Savior. Now there is one final important concept about asking and receiving that should be understood. The Lord knows exactly what we need. He has even said so in the scriptures, even before we need it. He has mapped out every possible solution and has prepared a way for you. However, just because he knows what you need in detail does not mean that he can simply provide it to you. You must ask for him to bring it forth. It is the law of agency that you must ask the Lord before he can provide it. Now, there are two reasons for this. The first is that if he provides it without you asking, then you may not recognize it as it being from him. And ungratefulness is a terrible sin. Two, or the second reason, the law of agency requires that you ask before he can intervene. If he were to intervene before you asked of him to do so, it would to be to break the law of agency. It might appear that he is giving you preferential treatment over someone else. This is something he simply cannot do as a god. All of his creations require fairness and objectivity from him as to the law of agency. To show preferential treatment is to show that the Lord cares more for you than another, which is really impossible for him. And so you must ask. In the end, it is, as I have said always throughout our podcast, do your part, which includes the asking, so that the Lord can do his. Until next time.